This is episode 514 of the AWS podcast, released on April 10th, 2022. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lesh here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined by a special guest. I'm joined by Anoop Kumar, who's Director of Product Partnerships for Amazon IVS. G'day, Anoop. How are you going? Hey, Simon. Nice to be here. Good to have you here. So we're talking about something I've already used the abbreviation for, which, which transgresses the rules of abbreviations, which is tell the full name, then the abbreviation. And what we're talking about here is the Amazon Interactive Video Service, or IVS. But before we even get into that, um, firstly, readily acknowledge the strangers that we're using an audio-only medium to talk about video, which is kind of cool. But um, live streaming and video is massive. Like it's it's uh, it's one of the biggest things that, that goes on in terms of uh, sports and video conferencing and everything in between. Uh, Noop, what, what are we talking about today? Where does Amazon IVS fit into that sort of big ecosystem of all things video? Um, that's a great question, Simon. And, you know, we actually got a lot of this feedback from our customers. And, and when we talked to our customers, they said that they look at video as sort of four distinct buckets. The first bucket is, you know, the traditional live broadcast. Think of watching an NFL game or IPL cricket that's going on mm. right now. And mm. I'm watching that. That's more of a one-to-many. It's what we call a lean-back experience. You know, throwing popcorn at your TV isn't considered a, a, a lean-forward experience. It's pretty <laughs> much a lean-back experience. Uh, the second bucket is video conferencing. You know, what we are sort of used to. Hmm. Few audiences, few viewers, they talk to each other almost in real time. And the third bucket is sort of device-driven. Think of all of the security cameras that are out there. You'd probably want to get all of that data in and do some machine learning analytics on top of it. And the fourth category, which is where IVS sort of fits in, is what we call a many-to-many -many segment. Think of examples like Twitch, where you have hundreds, thousands of even content creators and broadcasters broadcasting simultaneously. And then you have millions of viewers on the other side you know, watching that. And it's more of a lean forward experience because you're actually interacting with the streamers. It's not a mm. passive experience mm. like watching an NFL game. It's active engagement. You're actively engaged with chat, with emoji reactions. You're probably buying something. And that's really where IBS sort of fits in. It's interesting too, because you sort of talk about that, that difference between broadcast and that lean back, lean forward experience. But you know, I think with, with broadcast, we tend to think of huge numbers of viewers, et cetera. But with some of these streaming platforms and, and gamers and other entertainment type components, um, the audience is actually really big, but then you've got the additional complexity of the interactivity. So it's not like it's a smaller problem. It's actually, in some cases, probably a similar size problem. It absolutely is. I mean, handling viewers on scale is itself a big challenge. Now you're sort of adding the complexity of adding concurrent broadcasters at the same time adding interactivity and at the same time having it low latency. And that brings a lot of complexity when you're you know, planning to do that video infrastructure. So tell us what Amazon Interactive Video Service is, is really bringing to the table for our customers and what sort of challenges it was really built to solve for. Yes, absolutely. Um, Amazon IVS or Interactive Video Service is a 
fully managed low latency live video streaming service. Now, what that essentially means is it is an end-to-end -end service. We take care of everything all the way from ingesting the video, transcoding it, packaging it, and delivering it using our CDNs. And when we initially started to sort of work on IBS, we actually learned a lot from Twitch. So Amazon acquired Twitch a few years ago, and we, a lot of our customers came and said, you know, could you provide us an offering which is sort of like video as a service? And as we started working on it, there were key problems that we wanted to solve. Cost of knowledge was obviously one of them, which is if you are a developer, you shouldn't have to know what transcoding is. You shouldn't have to know how do I package a video or do an ABR ladder. You as a developer should be able to use APIs <laughs> and SDKs and be able to build a video streaming service. That's I think if, anyone, the... <laughs> if any developers try to install FFmpeg to try and get their data transcoded, they, they know the pain. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and and that's, that's one of the areas we wanted to solve. Integration complexity was another area that we wanted to solve. You know, it's really complex to sort of integrate live streaming solutions into new or existing workflows. So we wanted to provide a simple set of SDKs and APIs and also support multiple platforms like, you know, whether you're doing it on Android or iOS or web or React Native, we wanted to provide the SDKs to be able to handle all of that. Um, the third aspect was scalability. Like we talked about this earlier, right? Which is, you know, it's not just about scalability on the viewer side. It's also scalability on the broadcaster side. How mm. do I have thousands of broadcasters on my platform to be able to stream, you know, at the same time, build interactivity at the same time, while at the same time making sure that, you know, you're not compromising on the quality of service or the latency. So that's another area we wanted to solve. And the last thing we wanted to really solve was audience retention. You could always you know, go to a third-party platform, like even Twitch, but then the challenge is you're sending your audiences or your viewers into another platform. Like mm -hmm. how do I do it within my own domain or within my own website? And that's one of the areas that we wanted to solve as well. That's interesting. You, you touched on one area that I think is, is fascinating in particular because it's sort of you know, based on physics, which is latency and that sort of demand for, for lower latency. What makes it important in this particular domain? Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question. And in fact, did you know that there is a sweet spot of latency? <laughs> that, I did not. That, what, what, yeah. is the, what is my magic number? <laughs> yeah, the, there is a sweet spot of latency that makes interactivity possible, and that's between you know one to six seconds. Uh, and we actually learned this through our experience with Twitch. You know, we've been operating Twitch, you know, at scale for years together. So we learned a lot in the process. If you look at sort of the traditional latency, and I, I can give you an anecdote. Um, I used to stay very close to the San Francisco Giants Stadium. And mm -hmm. every time there used to be a Giants match, sometimes I used to hear the cheers or sometimes <laughs> I used to see the fireworks before I saw that on my TV. Uh, and, well, maybe you, know, you knew when to look closely. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, it's fine. Like for a lean back experience, it doesn't really matter. But when you are doing sort of a lean forward experience, when you want your audience to work with the creators, you really need low latency. But then, 
you know, you probably ask the question, why not go with the technology like WebRTC, which is sub-second latency and video conferencing? The challenge with that is achieving scalability. Because if you're using sort of sub-second latency, yes, you can, of course, achieve low latency, but then you'd probably compromise either on the quality or on the scalability aspect of it. If not both, then the manageability aspect of it. And that's where, you know, we sort of learned that one to six seconds is sort of like the sweet spot of latency. And that was one of the core tenants of, of IVS. And when we decided to build it, we wanted to make sure that customers are able to achieve it irrespective of the number of broadcasters or the number of viewers. Nice, nice. So they didn't didn't even have to think about it to get that that good experience, which is what you want. And uh, Noop, help us navigate something here because, you know, there, there are many ways to solve problems and, you know, we have lots of services in the video domain. We have um, all the elemental uh, media services. We have Elastic Transcoder. Um, we have Chime, you know, lots of different things. When would I pick IVS for, for live streaming? How do I know which, which service to use when? Uh, that's a great question. Um, and in fact, you know, AWS provides an opinionated set of services to solve specific problems. Not to say that you cannot use one service in lieu of the other. You, you can, of course, do that. But if you go back to the four buckets that I talked about earlier, so if you're doing anything in sort of like the traditional live broadcast, you probably want very fine-grained control of the video. You probably want to bring your own CDN. You may want DRM, like the digital rights management. You may want things like 4K support. In that case, you know, elemental suite of solutions is probably a good fit. If you're thinking of video conferencing, obviously Chime SDK would be a great fit. If you're thinking of device-driven with a lot of machine learning analytics and you want to feed that into a video pipeline, Kinesis video streams is a great fit. And if you're looking at building sort of like an interactive live experience where you have sort of have the ability to interact with the audience or have some time metadata elements that trigger some interactivity on the viewer side, then IBS would be a good service. We, in fact, have a great blog written by our um, solution architects, Krister and John Barber, um, that will probably you know, can put that as a show notes, uh, you know, as part of the podcast sure. that actually talks about, you know, choosing the right live streaming experience for your use case. And Anup, one of the, the things I think we love at, at Amazon is to put services in the hands of our customers and see what they do with them. Um, what are some innovative use cases you've seen so far using uh, Amazon IBS? Oh, this is the question that gets me excited the most, to be honest, Simon. Um, you know, I, I would probably say I have seen 10% of the top use cases and that itself excites me. So I'm really curious to know like what's the 90% of our use cases that <laughs> I haven't <rest>. seen. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and it's interesting, like user generated content is probably one of the biggest use cases. So we have customers like the ENA, Twitch of course is one of the largest larger customers, but we also have customers like 17Live in Taiwan or GoPro here in the US that's using IVS for user-generated content. The second segment where I've seen a lot of customers use IVS is the virtual event space. If you're familiar with companies like Hopin or Eventry or Socio, they all use IVS for you know, live streaming virtual events. Education is also a great space. And in fact, we have a great case study from Arizona State University. You know, they were actually looking for a scalable solution to sort of 
live stream the ASU president's welcome address. And they decided to choose IBS because they could get this integrated in just a matter of a couple of days and, and get mm, going with mm, it. Blackboard, mm. Mosaic, and few other customers that use IBS in the education segment. E-commerce is obviously really big. You know, Amazon Live uses IBS, and so does companies like Trip.com, Traveloka, or you know, partners like BeLive. Um, fitness is another segment. I don't know if you're familiar with this company called Tonal, which provides sort of like in-home equipment for workouts. They actually use IBS for live streaming all of the workout sessions. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And outside of that, we've also seen use cases in virtual events and virtual concerts. You know, we have we have a great example of a company called Rivet Logic using IBS for fundraising events because they uh-huh. wanted to add interactivity for for their viewers. And outside of this, there are tons of other companies that also white label IBS and provide that as an offering, as an API offering for their end customers. So. You know, this is probably that, like every uh, every day I come to the office, I yeah. see sort of like new use cases coming up, and I get excited with this stuff every day I come yeah. into the office. The, there's all different things there. That, let's let's touch on that white labeling because I think it's interesting what what partners can do here. Because as you said, you know, bu- building all the the technology behind something like this is is complicated and difficult. But once you have it, it can be super powerful to apply in different domains. What is what does a potential partnership look like for? people wanted to use IVS under the covers of their own offering? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And we have some partners in the e-commerce segment, for instance. We have a partner called BeLive. They're an APN partner who provide e-commerce APIs and e-commerce live streaming offerings for their end customers. So, you know, if you look at a retail company, they don't necessarily want to build all of the belts and bezels themselves. They want to be able to integrate all of their product offerings and the product catalog and have an easy-to-use experience, and BeLive offers that. We also have partnerships with some of the player companies, like JW Player you know, integrates very nicely with IBS, and that's another example. We have partners in the encoding space, like Videon, uh, which is a hardware device that you can literally plug in and get started with, with the IBS. So I would say, you know, the partners varies, but in broad terms, you could sort of think of like integration partners and then sort of like tech partners. They also have mm, partners mm. like DPR that provide face filter technology to provide sort of augmented reality experience using IVS. So we're always looking for more partners. So if there are partners out there listening to this podcast, we're always happy to have conversations with them on, on how they can leverage IVS. Yeah, yeah. Now, now with any with any technology, you know, it's 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 good to hear all the cool things you can do, and it sounds like oh, this is exciting. Let me let me throw some live streaming at it. Um, what are some do's and don'ts when getting started? What are some things to watch out for given sort of uh, experiences? Uh, great question again. Um, I would say maybe five things to really sort of look out for. The first one is, you know, understand the use case and select the right technology. Like I said, AWS offers an opinionated set of services. So deciding which service that you want to use is probably number one. Number two, think about what type of interactivity do you want to add? You know, don't try to cram too much of interactivity into into your offering. Do a lot of A-B testing to figure out what really works with your audience Mm, and also mm. leverage, you know, interactivity offerings from our partners. Um, Number three, I would say is 
don't just think about providing the best experience for your viewers. If you are building a platform, your creators need to be on your platform as well. So it's yeah, super yeah. important that you provide a good experience. So we have things like mobile broadcast SDK that you can integrate to provide a great experience for the creators. The fourth one, you know, I talked about this earlier, leverage partners. Like if you want to do face filters, for example, add that to provide a better experience for both your creators and viewers. And the last thing I would say is, this is the one thing I always tell companies, which is make sure that the developers are spending 80% or more of their time in doing innovative stuff for, for, their use, for your users and customers instead of spending the time managing the video infrastructure. Every time mm. you see mm. that your developers are spending time managing FFmpeg, that's when you probably want to pause and see, can I do something better? I, it's, it's always that uh, the, the challenge of the undifferentiated heavy lifting versus the business value. So uh, I think focusing on that is a good tip. So let's talk a bit about how Amazon IVS actually works. What's, what's under the covers? <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's a great question. IVS is an end-to-end -end managed live streaming service. What that means is we take care of everything all the way from ingest to delivery. Now, ingest can happen, ingest is essentially, you know, being able to take that stream into IVS, and that can happen in two ways. We provide our own broadcast SDKs, you know, we provide the SDKs for Android, for iOS, or if a customer wants to use their own encoder, they can do that as well. Once the stream comes into IVS, everything is taken care of by IVS. We take care of doing the transcoding, we do the packaging, we also build the ABR ladder so that you know when when the viewers are in a bad network location, they can switch the rendition. Um, IBS also offers something known as Time Metadata API. So think of Time Metadata API as the ability to inject the metadata into the video stream that can then trigger some type of an event on the player side. Could be emoji uh -huh. reactions. Could be popping up a particular you know, offering for buying some stuff, or could be any type of interactivity. And then on the delivery side, we have our own CDNs. Um, you know, these are CDNs that are sort of dedicated to deliver live video traffic only. And that's how we are sort of also able to achieve that really low latency of, you know, one to three seconds. So all the customer needs to do is build their apps, focus on building their apps using our SDK, and leave all of the video stuff to IBS. And that's why it's, it is an end-to-end -end managed live video streaming service. Mm. So, so given that it's really sort of SDK API driven type service, how long have you seen customers take to get live streaming up and running for their, for their customers and for their applications? Uh, I was in fact in one of the customer meetings and one of the developers came on and uh, you know they wanted to build an MVP and they got an MVP done in 30 minutes. And we had Ooh. a call for one hour and we were, what do we do for the rest of the 30 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, Instead it, it, of the it, meeting, let's build the product. <laughs> exactly. And that's what we want to spend time with customers, really innovating on, on sort of like all of the use cases. So, but in short, you know, we've seen customers that are migrating from an on-prem existing platform moving to IBS. It takes about a matter of weeks, probably a couple of months if they want to do like all of the testing and, you know, mm, move mm. that workload over. 
but it's not that heavy of a lift. And we do provide a lot of support through our solution architects. We have our customer success team that can come and step in. So if you are looking, if, you're, if there are customers looking to do the migration, we're more than happy to help them with the migration path. And so we'll put links into the show notes for, for code samples and demos, et cetera. And also the, the team uh, is, is available to be reached out to as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have, you know, they could go to the they could go to the AWS website and search for Amazon IBS. We also have a dedicated page where customers can look at, you know, code samples, demos, test out workshops or cost calculators. And that's called IBS.rocks. Uh, obviously, IBS rocks. <laughs> so that's the page customers can go in and look at all of the assets we have on IBS. And how, how is pricing done? Um, pricing is really easy. It's pay-as-you-go pricing. There's two dimensions to pricing. There's pricing on the ingest side, and then there's pricing on the delivery side. The ingest pricing is really simple. You either have basic or standard. Basic is anything which is standard definition, which is 480p or lower. And anything above that up to 1080p is $2 per hour at a global rate. And on the delivery side, it's pretty simple as well. We have three renditions, standard definition, high definition, and full HD. And the customer would essentially pay for the duration of the video stream and the number of viewers. So we also have a great pricing calculator, ibs.rocks slash calculator where customers can go in and just test what it's going to cost. And the nice thing is, is that they're, they're pretty simple dimensions to manage to, but you're not doing the underlying capacity planning. Um, it, it scales up and down as you need it. Exactly. Oh, that's very nice. So if you had one key tip to share with our listeners, what would it be? Huh. That is a very interesting question indeed. Um, I would probably say the same thing I said earlier, which is spend 80% or majority of your time building and thinking about innovation for your end users. Uh, every time you start you know, seeing you're spending time in managing the video infrastructure, that's when you need to start rethinking on, is that the right strategy? Are you getting the right ROI? So, that's probably the one key takeaway that I would have is, you know, thinking about driving innovation for your customers using live video streaming. Mm-hmm. And Noob, I'm going to pile onto that one because I think one thing leapt out at me that you mentioned before as well, which was it's not just about the viewer experience, it's the content creator experience too. And I can see how um, naturally we can be very focused on the, the end, end user or end customer but creators are customers too. And so having both those cohorts is important. It sounds like this, this allows us to do that pretty effectively. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, using Amazon terms, it is a flywheel. Uh, you have more creators, you end up getting more viewers and you start, start you go. doing it on the flywheel. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. Hey, Noob, thanks so much for coming on and telling us all about it. Perfect. It was a pleasure, Simon. And uh, yeah, looking for some really creative and innovative use cases from our customers using IBS. Sounds good. And we do love to get your feedback. Podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.